Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. This week's featured cookbook is... Shelf Love, Otolenghi Test Kitchen. Hi, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. <laughs> How are you? I am cold. But you know, it's not cold in my feet because you got me these nice, thick, heavy wool socks for Christmas, and I am rocking them. I got them like six pairs, and I was figuring it would be uh, excessive, but, but no, it's not. <laughs> I'm going through them. <laughs> well, I, especially I, since I our- taking these things off. Our, uh, our floors in our condo are concrete, so they tend to get a little bit chilly. They are very chilly. We could store meat in here. Right. But we're not eating meat for January. No, we're not. All right. How's that going for you so far? Uh, it's fine. I don't we, miss it. We got like a week left. And, I know. And then that's it. And then we're going to like eat a whole half a cow or something. You bet. <laughs> it's going to be my birthday on Sunday. That's right. So. Got big plans? Um. Well, my birthday is on a Sunday and... What I kind of want to do is there. there is this place that I used to be in a bowling league at called Elsie's. It's still around. Yes, uh, when I was in grade school. And here's me, little grade school girl, 111 average. I was good. And now that I'm... pretty good. And now I'm lucky if I can barely bowl a 60. Man. So... And That's they, great that this little neighborhood bowling alley has avoided the wrecking ball oh yeah well no i mean like they i think it's just really popular for leagues and stuff both my mom and my stepdad did a league there you think like, young people still go bowling or go bowling i should say i don't know i they don't can know. tear themselves away from them their phones and right? devices. maybe I, I i don't know i feel like maybe it's more like people our age and i think they do like the moonlight bowling thing and they have like they have a decent restaurant and um, great drinks there. Young people, let us know. Do you, <laughs> do you roller skate? How you doing? How you feeling? What's going on in your life? What do you do for fun? Yeah. We're old. Yeah. Um, like, get away from me, grandpa. Right. Also, there's another thing that I kind of want to do. Um, there is a brewery. Okay, so we were supposed to be doing vegetarian, no uh, dry January all through January, but my birthday's on the thirtieth. Close and, enough. Yeah, and the last three birthdays we haven't been able to go anywhere because uh, first it was the polar vortex where it was negative ten thousand degrees below zero. Um, no lie. <laughs> so we didn't. We didn't that was we, when people were doing those experiments where they were throwing. The boiling uh, water. Boiling water from yeah. a pot up in the air, which yeah. is really dumb, by the way. That's like those people that you saw dropping turkeys into the fryers and then they, they would like flame up and explode. Well, I don't, th- I don't think you, you that's know. like the, le- th- that's, 
<laughs> the level of stupidity. The level of stupidity with the uh, people trying to fry uh, turkeys. A wet turkey. Yeah, like a genius. Yeah. I don't think much harm can come of like throwing boiling water in the air as long as you, as long as you throw it away from yourself and not on a friend or a neighbor right um and then after that the next two years have been covid birthdays so we haven't gone out to eat or anything yeah um but there is uh this brewery uh in northeast called dangerous man they they were going to do a birthday celebration on David Bowie's birthday, but they had to reschedule it due to Omicron. So on Sunday, they are doing Bowie's birthday celebration and there's related Bowie birthday. Yes, and there's going At to the be brewery. and there's going to be birthday cake and everything. With birthday cake. Yes. So I would also maybe like to do that. I hope you're taking notes here. Um yes. In my, in my head. <laughs> sure. Steel trap. No, it's not. <laughs> I've got this. Well, I don't have a steel trap for for old I'm, memories. I, I have a steel trap. I do have a note in my phone that says Victoria birthday uh, slash uh, menu because I'm planning a, a menu for dinner. OK. Yeah. So I've, I've got it in my notes. I'll, it'll all come together by the end of the week. All right. This was quite the detour. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to episode 61 of Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Uh, let's do a little virtual passing of the hat, if you will. Sure. Uh, Johnny ain't too proud to beg. If you go to our website at uh, wecookbooks.com, you'll see a store tab there. That will direct you to our amazon.com affiliate page. And whenever someone asks, hey, Johnny, Victoria... How can I support the great, important work that you're doing? Nobody asks that. No, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) But if they were to ask, I would tell them, go to the website, click the store tab. You'll see a few lists there. Kitchen Essentials for Home Cooks. Also, our favorite cookbooks. And then uh, Fun Food Finds. And if you make a purchase from any of those lists, um, which probably includes something you want or need anyway, uh, it won't cost you anything more. We'll get a few pennies in return for your purchase, and it's the most immediate way that you can support what we do, right? <laughs> Does it really matter? Uh, you want to talk about what we just finished up? Yes. Um, we just finished up Black Food by Brian Terry, and um, we're actually finishing it tonight. And I think we misspoke in the previous episode because we were under the impression that the book was like largely vegetarian or pescatarian. And there is like a great amount of that within the pages. Yeah. But there are some meat recipes too. Yeah. I know there was like a lamb dish and like a fried chicken and stuff. So just just wanted to make the correction. So yes. in case anyone was maybe considering that purchase and they were vegan, they might be horrified when they start flipping through the pages. Sorry. I, I, I don't want to trigger anyone. I know. We didn't We like, didn't mean uh, to lead anyone astray. Traumatize anyone. Um, so tonight we are doing a, um, we're doing a charred red cabbage uh, with a spiced tomato relish. And that is a contribution by Gregory Gorday. That's going to be good. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that. And then we're also going to make a grape tarragon spritzer, which is a Bryant Terry contributed himself. So yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be epic. Uh, uh, what else? Let's oh, I, we, we uh, have a little show recommendation for you. Yes. Uh, this is on HBO, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
DCI Banks, British it, crime drama. Yeah, if you like crime procedurals. If you like Law and Order, this is like a smart version of Law and Order. Smart British version of Law and Order. And I feel like it's a little bit less obvious. Oh, totally. Then Law and Order. I, I feel like it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Law and Order. I've seen every episode except for like the most recent ones, probably about a thousand times. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Why do they always have iced tea interrogate like the sexual assault victims or something? Like, you know, they pull them aside and then Ice-T is like, yo, I heard you got raped. That's messed up. <laughs> there is a, you know what? And I'm there's... like, ah, Mr. Sensitivity over there, probably not the best person to be uh, interviewing this person who has been traumatized. There's actually a horrible a, experience. There's actually an SVU podcast called That's Messed Up. <laughs> oh, from, to, it's... to quote Finn. That's messed up. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have the greatest uh, gentle bedside manner when it comes he's, to he's dealing gotten, with victims. He's gotten better. Oh, I don't doubt that he cares, but he's, <laughs> he's a little gruff. <laughs> he, he likes to bark at people. No, he's, he's, <laughs> he's gotten better. All right. Um, yeah, so this is a British procedural, and basically, like, every two episodes are based on, like, I think it's like a kind of short story or yeah i'm a not novel. familiar with they're the books written, they're based yeah. on but great so far mm-hmm. four seasons i think mm-hmm. we're, we're barely into the first season but right. uh, really enjoying it it'll keep us busy for a while oh you have a book recommendation and this is this is actually food related mm-hmm. unlike our dci banks <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah uh so far i'm just a little bit under halfway through it um, it's called Nine Lives, A uh, Chef's Journey from Chaos to Control. And it's by uh, Brandon Baltzley. Give, uh, us, give us the elevator synopsis. Um, it's about this uh, chef. He grew up in the South. Huge drug problem. Uh, got his first executive chef job at the ripe old age of 23. Um, That's not a recipe for disaster. He he had lots of great opportunities and he kept fucking them up by getting high. Um, Beyond that, I can't tell you anything because he is still getting high. Um, Don't spoiler alert to anyone either. So I don't know what has happened beyond that. And I didn't and I don't want to spoil myself. So I have not looked him up to see like what he is doing currently. Nice. But but it is it's a good book and Recommended. he 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 writes with a lot of self deprecation and he recognizes like how fucking lucky he was and what a dummy he was, you know, screwing it up. Um, but yeah, so okay, I, I I've got a book recommendation that's not food related, but it's I guess it's drug related and, and <laughs> the, the pitfalls of of that come with that. Uh, it's called hard to hard to handle. The Life and Death of the Black Crows. And uh, if you like music, if you like music uh, writing, uh, this is by Steve Gorman, the drummer and founding member of the Black Crows. And uh, he tells in pretty graphic detail uh, his rise and fall with that band um, and the the just the crazy situations they found themselves in and, and, the, and the experiences with... 
with the brothers Robinson, who just, are like the main characters in the band. Just from what you've been telling me, they sound like absolute pricks. And, you know, I, I don't understand the dynamic. I know it's a common one when you go to any uh, bands that have had siblings in it, whether mm-hmm. it's like the Kinks or Oasis or the Black Crows, uh, you know, or, or in the case of like Fleetwood Mac, you've got people that are in relationships and it just becomes messy and really horribly intertwined. Um, I just don't understand that dynamic because, uh, I have a brother that I love and I don't fight with him. Well, you're also like 10 years older than him too. So, well, I mean, there's a pretty larger age difference between the Robinson brothers as well. Cause I know when, uh, Rich, the guitar player, uh, joined the band or they founded the band, uh, he was still in high school. So, um, yeah. yeah, you're not in a band with your brother. No, I, I understand. <laughs> it's just an interest. It's just interesting to, you know, and this is from someone who's kind of like uh, an observer to all of this, yeah. and and just trying to kind of keep the peace between everyone, and uh, but then of course has his own share of of issues and problems that arise. So, mm-hmm. good reading, especially if you're a fan of the band. Uh, hey, what are we drinking? Uh, we are drinking. It's a shrub that I made. It is pineapple jalapeno. And this I, is delicious. This is one of my favorite ones that you've made. It is one of my favorites. Um, I also have a pear chamomile one that is in the fridge that I have been enjoying a lot. And this this jalapeno, it's it's interesting because you get the flavor that comes with jalapeno, but you don't really get much of the heat at all. I made a second batch, and it's a little bit stronger, a little more assertive. Mm-hmm. I okay. added I added the whole jalapeno. I don't think I would mind the heat, but this this particular one, like I can taste the flavor of it, but I'm not getting much heat at all, which is great. It's very refreshing. I think it would be freaking delicious with some uh, tequila or mezcal. Wait until after January. I know. <laughs> we're there. We're diving in. All right. Should we talk about the show topic? Let's. All right. This was a good one. Um, we put this out to all the listeners. We got a lot of responses, mm-hmm. so thanks for that. Um, aside from salt and pepper, what is the spice that you most often use with cooking? And we got we got some good responses. Mm-hmm. You want to start? Uh, Nancy M said cumin. Cumin, I think, is going to be the winner out of this uh, survey we yep. took. Uh, our friend Mike B said smoked paprika. It's a favorite in our house as well. Indeed, we've got a few different uh, paprikas. Yeah, we hanging had, out up there. Yeah. I think we have like three of them. Yeah, we got sweet, we've got smoked, we've got a hot smoked, I believe. And a sweet smoked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then his wife, Beth, Beth B, said garlic powder. So, you know, depending on who's cooking at, mm-hmm. at, at their house, you, you're either getting some paprika or some garlic. I, I'm not a fan of the garlic powder. It clumps up and it's hard to work with after a while. I, I like the granulated garlic. Granulated. And it's the way um, to go. Penzi has... Uh, a roasted granulated garlic. You are correct. That is the bomb. Love it. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Jackie K said thyme. Classic. Uh, my old pal Kelly L said gokujaru. Ooh, mm-hmm. nice. Uh, our friend Amanda K said lately it's been cumin. You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vivian H. said cinnamon and savory things. Agree. Um, followed by thyme or dried mushroom powder. Yeah, we just finished two books. Uh, the Mexican Table from Patty Heenich 
and then the Mumbai Modern, and both of them featured cinnamon pretty prominently in in the dishes, and you know all savory dishes, and and the the cinnamon was a welcome addition. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Kathleen N said garlic garning. Okay. And then uh, at Maxwell Gregory 2018 said cumin and Aleppo pepper. Big fan of the Aleppo pepper as well. Mm-hmm. We got some of that in our cupboard. Uh, Betty and Roger, cumin and paprika. There you go. I swear to God, pretty much everyone. Yeah, said lots cumin. of votes for cumin, so we can skip those. Uh, we've got one from uh, Biscotti Canella Blog said garlic powder and ginger. It's mm-hmm. another good one. Um, friends with food pods said cumin. Oh, and red pepper flakes too. Uh, I almost just count that as regular pepper, though. Yep, same. <laughs> <laughs> Our red pepper flake goes on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, let's see. Hey, hot Natalia, Natalia. I'm Natalia. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think mine right now would be red pepper flakes, but my partner says it's cumin. It's interesting because I've been cooking so much uh, Japanese recipes lately that I feel like I rely on soy sauce, miso, and other pantry staples more than my spice cabinet. I feel that, like how you get into a groove cuisine-wise, and then you start, you know, and you you have all those familiar flavors that Mm -hmm. you just kind of stick to. Um, Yeah. What are your picks? Uh, Cumin. Mm-hmm. we have this avocado toast topper mm-hmm. that is made by a company called Spice and Leaf, and they do a, a bunch of different spice blends. We've got a Zatar blend by them that's really good. Um, the, the I'm not exactly sure what's in the avocado toast one. It's got some probably some kind of red pepper flake or chili flake kind of thing going on. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's just really delicious. You can put it on bagels. You can put it on toast. You can put it like... Uh, so you just mostly use it as a finisher rather than of. like in cooking stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I had to give a shout out to turmeric and cinnamon because that's what goes in my smoothies every morning. So not really for cooking, but they get used on a daily basis. Okay. And uh, got to be careful with that turmeric. Unless you like yellow hands and... Yellow T-shirts. It makes you look like you're uh, you, like you um, are a three pack a day smoker. Yep. You got the yellow finger. <laughs> so gross. It stains your teeth. <laughs> um, let's see. I would say garlic. Yep. Like fresh garlic, um, cumin, and some kind of chili powder like cayenne or Aleppo or cashmere or like. Red pepper flake. I mean, that's not a chili powder, but yeah, I think just even just some element of like heat. Yeah, like a little pinch of that in just about any dish just really livens it up, mm-hmm. wakens it up. I like it. All right, that was a good one. Should let's, we talk about the book? Let's talk about it. Odalingi Test Kitchen Shelf Love. Um, this is the debut book behind the team uh, at Odalingi headquarters. Um, it's probably the fifth. At least Odalengi book that we featured in our feed. He's by far the most featured author at Cooking the Books. The only book of his that we have not featured yet is Sweet. You think that's coming sometime soon? I looked through it. I I want to I want to save it for summer because there's a lot of like stone fruit stuff that I'd really like to try and make. Okay. So I think that is going to be yeah. Potential. It's gonna be for the summer months and well and the next baking book that i'm gonna do is uh uh 
everyday uh the what is it the everyday bacon or the oh the dory greenspan yeah yeah we bacon well, with dory yes uh it had been sent to us a long time ago uh, it was kind of lost in transit. It was we lost in transit. Yeah, it, we, it just arrived like earlier. I know like, that made a lot of week. best of lists. I know, and I'm I'm year. bummed. Well, maybe it will be the one from the previous year that makes it an, onto our next year list. There you go. So, yeah, like I went through and I was like, I want to make that, 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 and that. Nice. So, yeah. Okay, um, I'm sorry. I totally derailed yeah. us. <laughs> Par for the course with this podcast. Right. Hey, uh, this one is kind of um, targeted to home cooks Mm -hmm. and specifically um, those that want to make better use of their pantry or larder, as our British friends say. They always have the best names for stuff. I know. I'm going to start calling it a larder instead. Okay. I like that better. Um, So this book is intended to serve as kind of a workbook of sorts with uh, plenty of space within the pages for note taking. And... While they do provide a kind of thoughtfully crafted recipe, they also encourage you to make substitutions based on your own creativity or maybe what ingredients you already have on hand. Um, You can either follow the recipe, you can improvise. Mm -hmm. Either way, I'm sure you're guaranteed a successful and delicious meal. Mm -hmm. How's that sound? It sounds good to me. You want to talk about what we made? Yes. All right. Um, So I'll do a bullet point list and then we will dive into it. Um, we did green cannellini and tahini, uh, celebration rice with lamb, chicken, and garlic yogurt, uh, spiced mash, mashed eggplant and peas, braised beef short ribs with butter beans and figs, zatar, salmon, and tahini. All right. All right. So let's start with the smashed eggplant and peas. Um, they love a good eggplant. Yes, they do. Um, we do too. Yes. So this was a great choice. Um, so it's it's a mashed eggplant dish. Um, the eggplant gets roasted and then you add cherry tomatoes to that that have been tossed in oil, salt, and pepper. Uh, you add those uh, like 20 minutes into the roasting uh into the roasting time. And this is kind of loosely based on an Indian dish. Yeah. Um, then you make a sauce. Uh, it's got onion, garlic, ginger, serrano, chili, um, some spices like mustard seeds, turmeric, garam masala, and cumin. And then to that, you add the eggplant mixture. Um, Did, were these spices tempered? Do you remember? They, Did they, they use the technique of tempering them in the oil. Well, I don't you, recall. Yeah, because you. Uh, yes, they are. Okay. Because. Is it along with like the onion where mm-hmm, you're sauteing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they do get like tempered. Of. Sorts. I, w- I would never imagine them being like, oh, just toss the spices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it creates a beautiful flavored chin- chimney. In the house. If yep. you have an upstairs, your house will be smelling like that. Better upstairs. lock the doors. Otherwise, the neighbors are going to be trying to come in and see what you're cooking. Right. We have a long hallway. If you go down the hallway, you're just like, ah, smells yep. good. I come in from walking the dog. And it's <laughs> like flavor chimney central. Um, and then it just gets uh, finished off with some uh, peas, cilantro, green onion, and it gets drizzled with lemon yogurt. Uh, we ate ours with flatbread. Uh, 
So yummy. It was great. Mm-hmm. You want to talk the uh, green cannellini beans? So I feel like we ate a lot of pita bread this week. When we we were did. This. <laughs> well, part- a lot of these were kind of conducive to that. This has some torn up pita bread that is tossed in. Uh, zatar and oil that gets roasted mm-hmm. so that gets uh and put in there at the end for a little bit of crunch yeah almost like a croutons mm-hmm. of sorts. Yeah. yeah totally um and if you don't like cannellini beans you can use chickpeas you can use navy beans mm-hmm. whatever um i love the herby mixture in this dish. So it's got the za'atar, the parsley, cilantro, chives, and then a little bit of cumin seeds. But, you know, that whole mixture is just like really herbaceous and, mm-hmm. and fragrant. And and some of the, like, I think about half of the, cu- half of the, half cup of the beans go into a food processor um, along with uh, the spices. And then that gets combined with the other beans and then it gets drizzled uh with some chili oil and tahini yeah for a little whisper of heat yep really but not super spicy no it's really nice simple dish with good texture and we we served it with flatbread yep. <laughs> uh and then next up is the celebration rice with lamb chicken and garlic yogurt so this was probably a little bit more involved i feel like this of- was this was the most involved. It had like a longer cook time. Um, it started with a whole chicken that gets uh, simmered in cinnamon sticks, onion, and garlic. Um, you'll have leftover stock. Uh, it does taste, you do get that hint of cinnamon in in the stock. Yeah. We have so, some in our freezer still that we haven't used anything. We haven't used it with anything yet. But So depending on what you're going to use it in, mm-hmm. you know, that cinnamon might come through. Um, the chicken gets shredded and you add some uh, cumin and some more ground cinnamon. Uh, and then you saute some onions with ground lamb and garlic uh, cinnamon, more cinnamon, uh, allspice. Um, then you add the rice and you cook the rice till it's done. Yep. And it gets finished with some creamy garlic yogurt, blanched almonds, toasted pine nuts, a little bit of Aleppo chili flake, parsley, pomegranate seeds. This is a beautiful dish. It is a gorgeous and dish. I if you go to our feed, you can see the finished, uh, the final result, and it, it's gorgeous. I can see why they call it Celebration Rice, because it looks very special. Yeah. And, it, uh, and it does look like you've spent all day in the kitchen making it. It's, really... just, it's, it's a lot of ingredients, but I wouldn't say that it was necessarily difficult to make, no, no. nor is really anything in this book. Mm-mm. I mean, there are some things that have longer cooking times, but it, that shouldn't be intimidating to anyone. Right. Um, you, you can catch up on your uh, Law & Order episodes while these things are cooking or something. And again, we're swinging back to Law & Order. Yep. It's all about the Law & Order. Yo, I heard you got shot in the face. That's, <laughs> That's messed, messed up. up. <laughs> I kind of feel like every, like, pretty much every actor you see, you can be like, oh, yeah, they were on this episode of Law and Order. Be you really it- made it as an actor when you had a little uh, cameo on Law and Order. All right. I have an old friend who's been on a couple episodes Working of Law and Order. Yeah. Did his Law and Order stint. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, but this, this is a great dish, especially for... Uh, 
maybe you're serving a larger crowd. I mean, if this, if, like a big platter of this arrived at the table with, you know, to pass around with, with like some, you could enjoy this with some flatbread or something like that. This would be, this would be great. I wouldn't be complaining. If someone sat that down in front of me, I'd be like, ooh, I would feel very special. I'd be like, what are you guys eating? <laughs> uh, next is braised beef short ribs with butter beans and figs. Okay, this one has a very long cook time. About four hours. And I actually feel like we could have cooked our short ribs just a little bit longer. Some of the tendons were like the tendons like right on the, well, yeah, right on the bone. Um, we're still a little bit elasticy. And we substituted uh, chickpeas for the butter beans. Yes. Oh, and we also used, uh, it calls uh, for grating tomatoes. But we didn't mess around with that. We just used a can of whole tomatoes. I did that once. It's a it's a real big mess. I could say I did it. Don't feel the need to do it again. Yeah. It makes a big mess. Um, if, if you're into grating tomatoes, go nuts by all means. Yeah. So we just used a can of whole tomatoes because also it's December here in Minneapolis. And, uh, you know. The tomatoes not a, are not beautiful looking. No, they are not. And, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? Um for me, this has figs in it. Um, it has figs, uh, star anise, cardamom pods. And I, I kind of wish that the recipe would have said, put the cardamom and the star anise in a sachet. Yes. Because then you don't have to pick them out or you're not accidentally. We, we had to chew carefully. Yeah. Because I don't want to bite down into a star anise or a cardamom pod. Yeah. Um, the figs. I felt, I mean, either for me personally, it pushed it over into a little bit too sweet. Sure. Um, I've for personally, I think maybe less figs, but I also think prunes would be a nice substitute. Okay. And it'll and you make think those would be less sweet. Perhaps. Possibly. Okay. I mean, it's been a while since I've had a prune. Prunes. What about, what about dried? Apricots. Oh, I think say, dried apricots would be freaking delicious. Apricots del or apricots? Apricots. Okay. I think dried apricots would be really freaking good. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, oh, and the recipe calls for chives and lemon juice. It doesn't, it's, it's on the ingredient list. It doesn't give any instructions what to do with it. So obviously we used it to finish off the dish. Mm -hmm. Which no. is probably what it was intended yeah, for. This is the first Odalengi book. That we've worked through where we found even anything resembling like a an error, error yeah. or something incomplete. Like normally the books are so thoroughly tested and researched and, and written that you just don't have any of these little missteps. And I will say this is the first one where we've noticed that. Yeah. Overall, it was really delicious. It was just something like my personal taste. And I do, I do, I think we should have like just a skosh longer, like half an hour longer, like cooking the short ribs. I think that was the only recipe where we really had to make some adjustments or in hindsight would have made other adjustments mm -hmm. um, to the the techniques or whatever. Yeah. And then lastly. Uh, Zatar, salmon and tahini. This was, this was my favorite out of I the book. I agree. Um, Fish and tahini. It's freaking like delicious. BFFs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did change the recipe a little bit because it called to uh, bake the salmon in the oven skin side up. But what I did is I started skin side down, did the crispy side, and then flipped it 
So I did it all on the uh, on the stovetop. Yeah, and then you just carefully add the tahini mixture so around the fish, so you're mm-hmm. not like putting it on that beautifully crisp skin that you just cooked up. And we uh, we use kale instead of spinach because we had it on hand. Yep. Um, and I also I kind of like kale. I feel like it holds up. A little bit more. Doesn't get it's, so wilty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and for spinach, like you could use three bunches and you end up with like two little leaves. Yep. <laughs> um, it was absolutely delicious. It was fast and easy and yeah, de- I would definitely say my favorite. From start to finish, we're under 20 minutes mm-hmm. and we were, we were chomping delicious salmon and tahini. Oh, so good. I think it's so hilarious that... For so long, I didn't like salmon, and now I'm just over well, the moon about it. I told you the other day, like, sometimes I'll go back and listen to episodes that we recorded, like, maybe, say, a year ago. I just, I'm kind of curious, like, oh, what did we do a year ago at this time? And I'll just check it out. And there was one that we were working from. This was, like, a few weeks ago. Um, would have been, like, January 2021. And... uh you were talking about your dislike of salmon. So even back then. I think I, that was know. the first time that I had had salmon because I was like, like in several years because like, yeah, I'll try it, yep. but I don't like it. And hallelujah, See, I was a convert. that be a lesson to everyone. If you think you don't like something, that's fine, but don't completely write it off. Yeah. Like at Christmas, I know I don't like herring. I tried it again. Still don't like it. Ooh. I don't mind it. It's not my favorite. I wouldn't go out of my way to like go get some. Yeah. It was offered to me. It was okay. And apparently, you know, the people in the room that are really big pickled herring fans said that it wasn't the best. It wasn't as firm as it should have been. That is neither here nor there to me because I find it repugnant. Yeah. Um, I, I feel you. <laughs> All right. Let, so I think I just want to know who was the first person to to be. I think this was definitely something that was born out of necessity more than anything. Absolutely, but you know who was the first person that you know tried that and was like, I, "I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna pickle this fish." And I think back in the day, like when there was no refrigeration, yeah. everything was just pickled or dried. It, it was necessity. Yeah, it, it wasn't necessarily like because uh, you you loved it. And, mm-hmm. you, know, you just wanted to stay alive. All right, so, okay, and we skipped this part last time. We did. We we do the most critical Amazon reviews. And I found two of them, All surprisingly. Right. I know, right? Okay, go ahead with the first one. Okay, so this is from Jennifer E. She gave this book one out of five stars, and she said, a departure from his other books. I have all of his books and have gone to London to eat at his cafes and restaurants, so I'm definitely a fan this is a sorry disappointment as most recipes look unappe- unappetizing piles of glop. Oh. <laughs> the ingredients are certainly not what you might have in your cupboard and uh, the time to prepare is wildly understated. Oof. With an exclamation point. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. That, that's someone's perspective because there wasn't right? any like, exotic ingredients Mm-mm. or, you know, most of these things that the recipes calls for. We, you know, if it's a we, can We actually thing. had had it on yeah. hand. Um, okay. Laura gave it a one out of five. Stupid and impractical. Save your money. This is a foolish book. Impractical, silly, useless. Very few recipes can be made 
with ingredients from most grocery stores, let alone the average pantry. Where are these people shopping? Well, you know, depending on where they live. I know, but seriously, like we've found more exotic ingredients in other books that we've recently worked through. I mean, I I would say as far as like having access to anything you might need for and and I don't think this book more than the others um even relies on stuff being like seasonal like no. most of the produce even is are things that you could get year round at the average grocery store well and the spices are not exotic either like, yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to know, like, with these reviews, whether they're referring to, like, the spices or the actual ingredients in the dish. Because I didn't find anything to be really inaccessible by any means. Well, and here's the thing. Even, like, most, even, like, shitty chain grocery stores, like, you go to Walmart, they have, like, a, quote, ethnic food section, you know, that has the you know, it's kind of broad strokes of like ethnic. It's, it's pretty food. whitewashed, but it, I yes. get your point. They do have a section, you know, like if, there's if you want to make it happen. You can probably make it happen. Yeah, like there's an Asian section, a Middle Eastern section. I have to go uh, to Walmart once in a while to get prescriptions for my mom. Oh, I'm so sorry. And uh, yeah. I, I get in and out of there as quickly as I can, but that's really not saying much because I'm usually still stuck there for like 45 minutes and while they. Every time, every time he comes back, he is in a he's just like I'm in a sour mood. He's in a bad mood. <laughs> I need a cocktail. <laughs> he's like, I Walmart. hate Walmart. Driving me to drink since 2022. <laughs> Thanks, Walmart. <laughs> All right, should we discuss our own rankings? Yes. Let's start with food photography and styling. What did you have? I gave it a four. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. It served the book very well and it felt very utilitarian to me. Uh, It used the same few backdrops. That's a good term for the photography. Yeah. Um, The food was not, other than like if you are putting something in the pan, like it's arranged in the pan very nicely or put on the plate very nicely. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there is not a lot of styling of, you know, there's hardly any utensils. Right. Um, there's lots of photos of step by step and photos of his team working in the kitchen. There's photos of f- like food being made in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it all feels like very easy and kind of loosey goosey. And it matches to me like how he wants you to deal with his recipes. Sure. Like you can do this, you can do that. Um, you, you know, they're not the most gorgeous photos, but I think they fit the book very, very well. Okay. And there was no like lighting trickery. There's like no hard light. You can tell it was all done in the test kitchen. Right. Uh, what'd you give it? Uh, you touched on a lot of the same points that I did. I gave it a three. Okay. You said four, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the photos and styling, it was okay. It wasn't great. Didn't blow me away. Uh, like you said, same few surfaces were kind of used throughout the book for the photography. So I'm assuming they set it on one of the counters in mm-hmm. the test kitchen. Maybe they had a few. There were like a couple different backdrops. counters and like mm-hmm. a wood, like mm-hmm. a wood counter. No linens or props. Very little flatware. Not a lot of extra accessories. 
Um, there was a lot of shots, you know, you could tell they were in the test kitchen because there'd be like books or notes or people standing in the background. There was like a discarded rubber glove kind right, of in right. the background. Yeah. Um, and don't get us wrong. It's not no. like unappealing photos or no. anything like that, but they're just very unfussy and, and almost like unstyled. Yeah. Um, I know a professional photographer was utilized, but I felt a lot of these photos could have just as easily been taken with an iPhone and some decent lighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, they, they did not look unlike stuff that we take yeah. with a phone. So, you know, by no means um, am I like trying to give a harsh critique of the f- photography because it was fine, but... I don't think anyone's going to page through this book and be like, oh, the photography this is, gorgeous. is gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Like I do with some books. So it was fine. Okay. Uh, design and layout. What'd you give it? I give it a four. Okay. Um, the very beginning of the book has a big fold out chart for planning your meals. It's itemized by ingredients like cans and jars, spices, legumes and grains, uh, baking. So there's plenty of space throughout the book for note taking. And they actually encourage the reader to make these recipes their own. Um, the chapters were divided into sections like uh, that one shelf in the back of your pantry. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's kind of intended to make use of these orphaned random ingredients, you know, cans of things. Or, you know, why do I have this, uh, you know, can of uh, or this jar of like dolmas or something? Let's put it to use or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, there is also like your veg box. So it's kind of like if you, maybe if you get a CSA or you just have like a vegetable crisper in mm-hmm. your, in your refrigerator, it's making use of that. There's a, there's a fridge one. There's a freezer one. Uh, my favorite was who does the dishes? And it's basically <laughs> the, the point behind it is like one pan, one sheet, one vessel cooking to minimize the amount of dishes. And that's like a really thoughtful thing because I'm sure if you ask the average home cook, what's the one thing they hate most about cooking, especially if you're cooking for a family, because they probably don't like doing all the dishes yeah. and cleaning up. So very thoughtful. Um, each recipe includes a prep and a cook time, mm-hmm. as well as a section that they call make it your own. And this is where they give you suggested substitutions, as well as some space on the page to make your own notes. So maybe you made it a certain way one time you can make a note of that and you can try and replicate it the next time or make it a little different um and then there was a fold out section in the back of the book that has suggested meals for different occasions so would they have like kid friendly vegan uh things that you can make in under an hour weekend brunch just different themes and stuff and i thought that was really really clever Yep, there so, was kid friendly. Um, there's a section to like create your own list. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm totally pig- piggybacking on you. No, that was that, that was the end of my notes. So a, a pretty totally much fine. every you could have like completely just copied my notes. Uh, I, I gave <laughs> I gave it a five. Okay. Um, I've I love the layout. Oh, and it also has you you, you didn't mention, but it, uh. The recipes have like the serving size yes. to how many it serves. Yes. Um, degree of difficulty. What'd you give it? I gave it a two. Um, some of the recipes have, you know, several components. Um, but I think the book really makes it easy. Like if that is scary to you, the book makes it really easy 
to seek out easier recipes. Um, yes. So you're not intimidated. Um, and I think the recipes give like a large amount of latitude that will, you know, that you can get more comfortable in the kitchen because I know that a lot of people feel that they have to follow the recipe mm -hmm. or they panic if they don't have a certain ingredient or I can relate to that or they'll completely skip a, a, a recipe because like, Oh, I don't like black beans or I don't like kidney beans mm -hmm. or, you know, <clears throat> you know, so there, the fact that there are other options I feel like it just makes it easier. And uh, difficulty-wise, I don't think any of the recipes, there's no insane cooking techniques. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. It's pretty basic. Yeah. Uh, what'd you as give it, it? As it should be. I gave it a 1.5. Okay. Look at, me, oh, look at you. You're doing the 0.5s now. now. I think that might be the first one that I've issued. Copycatter. I'm, I'm, I'm embracing it. <laughs> um, well, this book assumes that you will have basic cooking skills and a pantry. Um, most recipes are easy to execute, especially given that you're allowed to uh, improvise with them. Um, the challenge, as you mentioned, lies in your ability to embrace this improvisation. So if you're the type that wants to strictly follow a recipe, you have the option of doing that. However, if you require shopping for additional items that uh, you choose not to adopt based on you know what you have on hand... Um, you may or may not like this tech, this the way this book is set up. Okay. Um, unlike other Odalangi books, we did find a few errors and omissions, leading us to believe that maybe this one wasn't as thoroughly tested as the others, or maybe it was just rushed a little bit to to get it out to print. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think any anyone would really struggle with this book, mm -mm. except for those two people that gave it one star reviews. What do they know? I don't know what their problem is. I know, They're right? shopping at the wrong grocery store. Yeah, they are. Uh, all right. Okay. Taste. I gave it a five. Yeah. Uh, everything we made was delicious. Uh, th the only problem that I had with the one dish, it was like a personal like a personal preference for me. Right. And I don't think that it was like a fault of the recipe or anything. And like everything was downright freaking delicious. Yeah. Um, I gave it a four. Okay. And, and, and only because um, we did enjoy everything we made. There was a few things that we would have adjusted, as we noted earlier. and But there were no major issues. But, you know, just the things like maybe if the technique was adjusted, then you wouldn't have to, like, chew carefully and risk biting into a stray cardamom pot. Or See, but does that starnies. have anything to do with the taste, though? Um, Ultimately, how it tastes. I would not like taking a bite of food and getting a big mouthful of, like, star anise or something. Okay. So, yeah. I think, right. it, I think it relates to taste. Point taken. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, nothing major. I still liked it. I still love you, Otolenghi. <laughs> it's okay. We're still friends. <laughs> okay. It's uh, not you. It's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you enjoyed the show... Please rank and review us. You can follow us on our socials. Uh, at we underscore cook underscore books is our Instagram. And our Facebook is at we cook books. All right. You know what time it is. Make me laugh. I got a good one. I have, mm -hmm. <laughs> so you uh, say. So I, I ordered some uh, German food through this mobile app. It was probably Uber. That's German, right? Uber is a <laughs> sure. Uber Eats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. It's German. <laughs> 
Roll with me on this one. Oh, yes, um, it is. The, the sauerkraut arrived, but the worst is yet to come. Right? Mm-hmm. Worst? Worst. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I just had to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> All right, yeah, that, thanks for listening. Uh, have a good week. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Stay hungry.